Hello, I'm Russ Morris, and for today's Simple Life Chat, we're on location at a Simple Life London show apartment at Elements. We're joined by Katie, the inspirational founder at Dot. We're going to explore the power of home organisation with our partners and professional organisers who connect the dots to transform a space. And we're sharing expert advice, discovering how decluttering can have life-changing effects on your mental health and well-being. It's time to start your home organisation journey here on The Simple Life Chat. So we're here this time at our Simple Life London show apartment, and today is all about home organisation and decluttering. We've teamed up with our partners Dot and the inspirational Katie who founded the company Dot. So we're going to be finding out how to declutter, how to organize your home and the impact it can have on your mental health and all-round well-being. So today on the Simple Life Chat, we're going to start our home organization journey. So welcome Katie to the Simple Life Chat. Thanks for being with us today in this, in this beautiful show apartment. You must be feeling quite relaxed in a show apartment. No, no mess anywhere. Everything in order. Is Everything's that right? already been organised. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, really beautiful. Good stuff. So, tell us about Dot. Tell us how you started the company Dot. So, um, in my previous life, I was a teacher um, and a deputy head, and I made the leap to leave mainstream education and set up a consultancy company, still specialising in education. And three months after starting that, COVID hit. And we actually continued to do quite well. But there was something about COVID. And I think it was the space and maybe the time spent with my family that I'd never had before. As I'd been a teacher from the age of 21, um, it just gave me a slightly different perspective on things. And I think I realized quite quickly that I didn't really want to remain in education. but I didn't make the move quick enough, which interestingly ties into what we do now with clients with Dot, but I left it too long. And about 18 months to two years after starting that consultancy, I had an emotional breakdown and my world just went on pause. And after numerous conversations with friends and family, I had one pinnacle conversation with my best friend and she said, why not take the opportunity to just do something completely different, something that you just love? And after thinking I had nothing but education, I the other thing that I just, I think if you cut me open, organization would fall out of me. And I thought, well, yeah, maybe I'll go into that. So did my research, got my qualifications to become a professional organizer, started DOT and the rest is history. Yeah. Have you always been like that? Have you always been an organized person? Always. So even as a kid, all the toys were lined up in alphabetical order? Just having a system and making things easier. So don't get me wrong, I'm human. There are mornings when it doesn't matter what I've done the night before, it doesn't go smoothly, especially having two children. But even from a very young age, I would get things ready the night before just to take away the angst of running late or whatever that might bring. I just can't remember being any different. I can be a little bit extreme with it sometimes, but I just really like that organized space, organized mind. It just works for me. And now I'm really fortunate to help other people with that. And I think having the part of my life that my mental health really became to a focus point and then became what I do now, 
I absolutely love that organization and mental health go hand in hand. So when we're organizing people's homes, that can't not be part of the process. And myself and all of the team members working with DOT, that has to be the absolute focus, not what the space will look like at the end, but that client and where they are and how that space is making them feel and how we want them to feel by the time we've left is so important. And yeah, the core of what we do really. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But you talk about at the start going on a qualification. So to become a home organizer, what yep. did that entail? Is it like exams or have you got a messy room and you start off? How does it work? A program on the BBC called Sort Your Life Out. And um, I watched a few episodes and there was a professional organizer on there called Dilly Carter. And I couldn't believe it was a real thing. I've been doing that for friends and family or anyone who would have me for as long as I can remember. So I gave her a Google and the stars were aligned. The day I Googled her, she'd released that she was running a course where you could train with her to become a professional organizer. So I signed up, I completed the course, it was a 12 week course, set DOT up from there. And DOT, if uh, you don't know, is an acronym, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so it stands for Decant Organize time. Um, decant because it's a terribly popular thing uh, in kitchens and pantries, um, but also just other areas of the home and of course organize at the center of what we do. And then time was very much reflective on um, the mental health strand of things. So we don't always have the time to sort our spaces or it can feel like all we're doing is using our spare time or our downtime or five minutes when the kids have gone to bed just to put things away and tidy up when actually it's the most important thing we have. So if we can organize our space effectively, then we should be able to release that time back to do the things that you enjoy by having those systems in place that just make it easy to maintain. So when you go to somebody's house, where do you start? How does it work? Good question. <laughs> um, so we never go to someone's home without speaking to them first. That's why we always have a virtual consultation. Oh, okay. And that's where we discuss exactly which areas they want to have organized and sorted. So if it's multiple areas, we'll normally start with a kitchen or a wardrobe because our kitchens and our wardrobes are the most common places to house things that you don't need in a kitchen or a wardrobe. So the things we found in a kitchen are almost unbelievable and the same with wardrobes. So once we decided kind of which one we're going to start with, um, we will talk to the clients about what they want from the space, what the space isn't currently bringing them, um, whether it's a wardrobe and it's somebody who had a baby not long ago, so not all of the clothes necessarily fit and it's not making them feel good every day, or if it's a kitchen that is in a really busy household and it's just not working for the family. So we really get an idea of what they want that final outcome to look like. And then when we're there, then we can start the physical side of things. What, what have you found in kitchens and wardrobes? Oh my goodness. Um, gosh, wax strips in kitchens that you think would be in a bathroom. Um, That's you never know. You might need to do a bit of waxing whilst cooking. Yeah, yeah. You never know. <laughs> um, gosh, things that I don't think I could even mention on a podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it's... It's just they're those two areas that just seem to accumulate things because they just get chucked in a drawer or put in a bag. But they are those two areas that notoriously get filled with other things. And it makes sense because you open your wardrobe every day and you use your kitchen every day. Yeah. So it's, it's the infamous kitchen drawer, isn't it? Exactly. Which is full of everything, <laughs> everything. Um, so what about like when you go to homes with families? 
like I've got two kids at home. You're just forever tidying up toys. What do you do? Just throw them all out? Which I'd like to do that. No. How do you um, do that? Systems. And again, that's why it's so important that we meet with the clients first. And interestingly, we sometimes have clients who try to avoid it almost because even having that initial conversation can feel overwhelming or we get a lot of, I'm really embarrassed. But actually, we need to be able to be approachable because if we're coming into your home, into your most vulnerable spaces, then we have to set the scene of what we will be able to achieve for you from what you want. And if that's because you have children and it's the sheer volume of toys that's overwhelming, we need to know that before we go in so that we can get the outcomes that you want, put the right systems in place. And we have a four-step process that we've created regardless of whether we're in a kitchen, a wardrobe or a garage a storage unit, we do the same four point process on every job, which is where we go in and categorize, which can feel overwhelming because everything comes out, literally everything. What sort of, when you categorize things, what do you do? Like in what sort of category? So if we take, um, let, let's take a wardrobe, for okay. example, every single thing out of the wardrobe, any drawers that you might have, if you've got clothes in vacuum bags under the bed, um, clothes in other rooms, Everything comes together. Um, and again, we have a lot of people saying, oh, you can leave those bits there. But when you're investing in this, and we know it's an investment, it has to make a difference and it has to be something that's maintainable, but can also continue. It can't just last for a few months. So everything comes together and we categorize that. Every pair of jeans, every dress, every pair of socks, even if one didn't make it back from the wash, they all come in and they're categorized. And then the second point of that process is an edit. So if it was the toys, for instance, yeah. you can actually see all of your children's toys and what they really have. You can make them part of the process if you want to. Sometimes it's easier when they're not there, if you think they might want to keep everything. But that editing is really important. But again, we are very mindful of how that feels emotionally and physically for people. I was going to say, it's quite a personal thing. I'm just thinking like, if you came into my wardrobe now, I just keep shirts because I had a nice time in them. I've not worn shirts for years, but yet they're still hanging there. Exactly. And that's why... It's quite, I'd, I'd feel sad if you came around and threw out my favourite <laughs> holiday shirt. And, I, and that's an, I'm glad you said that because we are really careful with the language we use as well. And again, linking back to how it makes us feel mentally and emotionally, we don't use words like chuck out or get rid, throw away. We say, not serving you anymore. Edit, declutter, yeah. let go. Because if we're not careful with that language, that process can become really difficult. Mm. When actually, I think with the skill of myself and the team and the language that we use and being really mindful again of what the brief is and who the client is, we're able to let go of the things they don't need or want anymore. But if it's um, a wristband that was cut off, but it was the best festival you've ever been to, you don't have to chuck things away. Yeah, yeah. It's about, well, what can we put in place? Is it a memory box? Is it that you have really good storage under the bed? And that's where we can keep things that really are mean meaningful, but mm. you don't want them in your wardrobe because you do need the space or you just don't need to see them every day. So we're not the people who come in and you know demand that it all has to go. That's not the case at all. It sounds a very interesting process. I can see how, you know, once you start one room, it's like, right, let's move to another. It's, <laughs> do you find that a lot with the clients? You mm -hmm. just kind of like, you know, you just do it once and then want to do more. Yeah. And I'll be really honest. I think when 
dot was first created in a quite um almost selfish way I loved at the end of a job if people would say oh I love it right you're gonna have to come back and do this place and this place and I just looked at it in a quite insular way and I think oh we did really well but we're gonna go back but as time's gone on and it is common that people will say that I now look at it differently and I think well even in the day or two or however many days we're with them if they can end the day and say I want everywhere to feel like this, to look like this, to have these systems, then we know that we've made enough impact to change the way they feel in their home. And that's far more important than how we feel about how we've done the job. And it's definitely a perk of a job to be able to leave someone's home that you've been invited into. And it it can, if you're not careful, it could be an invasive process, knowing that they think, this is just the beginning, my wardrobe or the kitchen. Now I want the rest of our home to feel like this because it feels really good. That's just kind of an undescribable but great feeling. It's making a difference, isn't it? Yeah. And it's making a huge difference. It's something you don't really think about, is it? But actually it's a huge thing. Like some people might think, right, okay, we're, we're renting at the moment, but we need to rent a bigger place because I haven't got enough room and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so. people say that a lot. It, we just don't have enough space. Or even when we're meeting for, for a virtual consultation, people will say, tell us what furniture we need to buy. Or, you know, we know that it's not a really big space, especially if people are renting. But we always try to put people at ease. Living in cities and, um, yes, sometimes smaller places can feel like you don't have enough space when actually it's about looking what you have in the space. Because, again, you don't have to throw things away and get rid of everything. But it's just about thinking, what do I want in the size that I have that feels good and works for us? So you mentioned about the whole mental health aspect of uh, declutter. Mm -hmm. It's talking to you now, it sounds like it does make a massive difference to your well-being. Mm, Yeah. Is it like, does it, how does it like increase, like decrease uh, anxiety and stuff like that? How does that work? Because your home should be your safe place. It should also be the place that you feel happiest, calmest, um, where you feel that you could create things if you want to, whether that's kind of in your kitchen and your cooking or working from home is a big thing now. And what stunts us, I think, a lot of the time is having homes that are just full of things that don't serve us anymore. Or when we walk into a room that feels cluttered or things that have just built up like that drawer in a room or the sideboard that's just slowly had things piled up. And actually, if we can change what's in that space with that four point process, then the way we feel from the minute we wake up in the place that we should feel the calmest, the happiest, the safest, it has a knock on effect to everything else. So whether that's your mind, your body, your, the way that you, even the way that you approach things when you leave and then come back again, it just has a transformational effect. And I think everybody deserves to feel like that in their home and in their minds as well. I really hope this podcast kind of like helps people who maybe feel a bit overwhelmed, like, where do I start? Mm-hmm. You know, I really hope it does put people at ease to have a go, because I guess people have got to be ready to tackle this you know because it's in your home you can Mm -hmm. you know you can live with a 
messy kitchen drawer or, mm -hmm. you know, side, well, some people can. Mm -hmm. Is there a breaking, not a breaking, but maybe a breaking point where people go, enough's enough, and that's where they get in touch with you? I think that that's probably one of the most common things. Um, but it's interesting because you're right. I, I maybe controversially, there are other professional organizers and you can find people on, on social media and things. And I do see a lot of people saying, you know, tackle one thing at a time, a drawer or, um, that box in the corner. And I'm not saying don't do that. But for me, rather than just tackling one small thing, the most important thing is to pre-plan the time that you have to do that. Be kind to yourself. So if you've just got the kids down and you think that drawer tonight, I'm going to tackle that drawer. If you've only got a two hour window and you might have someone who comes down because they need you to tuck them back in yeah. or you might also have packed lunches to make and school things to get ready, then that's not the time to do it. And if it means that you have to wait a few more weeks until maybe you can your mum can have the kids for you, or you've got a free afternoon, for instance, then I would say that's more important than anything. Plan ahead for when you're going to do it. Set yourself the time to do that because one draw can take far longer than you expected. And actually, you don't want to add to the overwhelm or have piles of things all around you. So for me, it's just working out when have I got the time and the space to do this? Plan that in. Everything else can then come after. And I guess it's making it a positive experience, not a chore as well. Yeah, exactly. And when you're going through, I'm just thinking about the sort outs I've had, sometimes you find things and, oh, I remember that. And it evokes happy memories. Is that an important part yeah. of it? And that's exactly why you need the time to do it. Because if you need or want to stop halfway through, you might not be doing it alone, to talk about the photos you found or the items that evoke those memories or send pictures to friends in your WhatsApp group, then again, allow the time to do that. It's part of the process because it might mean that you think, actually, if I just have photos of this or I just share it with the girls, I don't think I do need to keep it anymore. Or it might be that you think, I completely forgot I had that, but it doesn't mean that I want it to leave my space. It just means, oh, it was really good to find it. And now I'm going to find a system that works for me Again, maybe a memory box or something to keep it in. But again, give yourself the time to feel all the feels and have all of those kind of conversations with yourself and other people. I'll be there all night, you know, going through <laughs> the old things. It'd be so nice. Do you find it a seasonal thing? Like, is there a busiest season? Because everyone talks like, oh, it's the old classic spring clean. Is that your busiest time or? Interestingly, no. Um, it's more Christmas. And again, may maybe a little bit more built towards families, knowing that they've got presents squirreled away somewhere um, and then they'll come downstairs and see how much everybody already has. It feels like we need to have a sort before new comes in. Um, but I think also just around yeah, kind of November, December, we're all hunkering down. It's starting to get a bit colder. Yes, there's a lot of Christmas in the air. So a lot of new things, buying new outfits for yourself, for instance, for the Christmas party. So there's just a lot of new and the season and the weather is changing. So we find that that's more kind of our busiest period when people think I'm going to do something about this. Um, 
But yeah, interestingly, the spring clean is not actually when it's as busy, no. <laughs> okay. And with the clothing as well, obviously the seasonal change, what do you do there? Like... It is completely personal. So if you have the space and you're that way inclined, I would say keep it out. Vac bags and storage containers and things under your bed are all very well if you know that you're the kind of person who will put a reminder in your calendar or just be that great that you'd remember as the seasons change to swap things over and again have the time to do that but if you think I know I'm not going to then when that season comes around you're more likely to go and buy new and then that will sit under the bed or it will stay in a vac bag so I say try and keep it out but again create the systems in the space that you have that can house it it might be that your summer bits are folded up, but they are in the wardrobe and they're easy to change over. And again, with your winter things, as the seasons change, they're a bit bigger and bulkier. But if you can keep them in there, just change the systems, you run less likely to forget them, not use them or buy new. That's the other thing as well, because obviously fashions change and things like that. When do you go, that's not fashionable anymore? Because I've got, like I say, I've got shirts from years, like, Do you have fashion shows of clients or (laughs) when it comes to clothes, what do you do? Again, it's why we get to know somebody because they're the kind of questions we ask. Do you want to make time to try a few bits on? Because some people will say no. And it might be because they don't know us yet. And it might be because they think I'm not feeling body confident at the moment. Again, we have lots of newer mums. The last thing they're going to want to do is try on jeans that fit them 12 months ago and we don't again want to bring in upset or angst around that so we talk about that beforehand but if someone says yeah my version of committing to this process is I'm going to try it on and if it doesn't look good anymore or there's a button missing or I think that did look good five years ago but it just doesn't suit me anymore that it becomes part of their process but that's really important it's different process for everybody okay so you've either you've gone into the home people have been inspired listening today they've had a good sort out they've organized is sort out the right word to use can we say sort out yeah, a yeah. declutter an organization how do you keep it going it's the systems that we'll put in place so if we know that we were talking to somebody recently who they rent their home quite frequently because they travel a lot. Mm. So the systems that we put in place for them were things that were easy to pick up and put into a cupboard that is locked when people are renting their property. But if it was um, a busy mum of three, there's no point us having these absolutely gorgeous but zip up containers for your nappies and your wipes and things. It needs to be something that's open, easy to move. Maybe you need one on the ground floor and one on the first floor. So again, the systems that we put in place work for the clients that we're working with and the homes that we're working in, because that's how you can keep the maintenance. It's all very well something looking gorgeous and very Instagrammable, but if it's not practical for that family or that individual, then it's not going to be maintainable. So again, that's a really important part of our process. So obviously with the rise of working from home, how does that impact what you do, Katie? Um, It just makes organizing your space for the way that it works for you even more important because sometimes we're limited to having to work within a space that in the evening maybe become our living space or even where we sleep. So it's just about thinking, how can I best organize this? That our top tip is I can 
put it away. It doesn't mean box up your whole computer or have everything out, not on show, but just what can you do in your space to mean that you can physically switch off at the end of the working day and mentally switch off. Even if that means having a box where all of the paperwork and your notebooks and things, they go in there just so that it clears the space slightly and it's easy to get out at the end, at the beginning of the next day, that can help massively because I think that lots of people struggled with that around that huge shift and many people working from home. The, where's the Where does it stop? Where's the divide between our home and our work? Not just the hours that we work, but also it taking over our space. So one of the things that we often do, even when we're working on a job, is once we've walked in, even though we've seen the space because the client may have shared photos or we've had that virtual consultation, we often step outside the room after we've been in, have a chat, everybody makes sure they've got a coffee ready to start, and then we walk back in. And that's not even in our space. So if, especially if you're working from home, walk out physically walk out of the house or even just out of the room, just with it in mind of what you'll be looking for when you come back in. And when you walk back into the space, think, right, fresh set of eyes, even if it's the living room you've been in a hundred times before, what could be different here? What does feel overwhelming or that I can barely look because it's just work stuff and I'm trying to switch off? Just doing that in and out can make such a difference. It's good advice, really good. So recently, Katie, you worked with a Simple Life resident, didn't you? Um, tell us about that. What, uh, what did you do for them? Yeah, so lovely Kerry had won the Simple Life competition for us to organise her kitchen in her Simple Life home. Um, and it was an absolute joy to organise for her. She was lovely, but we learned a lot because... We were working with Simple Life, so we'd done our research and we'd met the team and we knew what Simple Life offered. But to be honest, we didn't realise it would be as lovely as it was. We walked in and we couldn't believe it was a rented property, um, but it was just so well done. It was some of kind of the better kitchens that we get to organise in. Um, and they were just well thought out. I think often with rented properties, it's tiny cupboards that just seem to fit purpose in that space, but they just felt like they'd been planned and purposeful, which made the organizing just so much easier. So yeah, it's lovely. And was she really happy with the result? Yeah, she? she was. She was really happy. And nice. um, she said she couldn't believe it because she'd never won anything before. Oh, so it was, just felt like she really deserved that win. <laughs> Good. And was it was it in a bad state when you get there? I suppose you can't talk about that, can you? Or? Not a bad state. Again, yeah. it was just... it was that they moved in. I think they'd been there for a few years, but they just unpacked, which is so common. We just unpack when we move in and that's where things live, but it doesn't mean they necessarily work. So um, her partner was a keen cook. We just organized things that they worked, that the pans were nearer the hob, that the cupboards to the left and the right of where you're cooking have all of your add-ins, your, your oils and your spices and things. So the kitchen just flowed differently with their things. I was going to say, I've never even thought about the flow of a kitchen. Yeah. And it is common because, again, you move in and yeah. it just lives there forever, doesn't it? Or gets added to. Well, yeah, that's it. Because, you, like you say, you unpack, oh, there's the nearest cupboard. Oh, mm -hmm. the pans will fit in that one. It might not be the right one. That's, mm -hmm. There's another room I'm going to be sorting out when I get home <laughs> today. God, this is... Uh, <laughs> you be busy. You're giving me a lot of work here, Katie. <laughs> a lot of work. 
So you mentioned earlier about other rooms in the house. You would go in and declutter a loft and organize a loft because mm-hmm. that, that is just a dumping ground for everyone, isn't it? You mm-hmm. would do that. Yeah. And I don't think some of us on the team have favorite spaces, I suppose. It's just ones maybe we're best at or we just really enjoy. But those areas that notoriously get cluttered and filled with things or just close your eyes and throw them in or throw them up. Um, we do really enjoy doing them because we get to have great conversations with people about things that they've kept up there memory wise. Sometimes it can be really difficult conversations as well. Um, if people have kept things from the first child because there was the hope of a second, but we feel really privileged to be let into those spaces and those conversations and then to be able to help make a difference in them because you're right, we all are, even me, and I think I'm one of the most organized people in the world, notorious spaces like that, we just put things there and keep things there and they don't get sorted when actually when they do, even though you might then shut the trap door and not go up there all the time, just knowing that space is clear or if you do have something you want to then put up there, that you've got the space to do it or the systems of where things will go, it just changes just your whole mindset around what the loft is for, really. So, yeah. And talking today, um, I mean, think about that famous episode of Friends with the Monica cupboard. Yeah. Do you have a Monica cupboard? I get asked this all the time. I either get asked, do you have a Monica cupboard or what's your house like? Yeah. Um, My house is like anybody else's, but with dot systems. but I don't have a Monica cupboard. I used to lie. I used to say, oh, I have this drawer in the kitchen and I made up this drawer that didn't exist. And then I told my husband one day and he said, I think that everything else about you is so real and you have to be empathetic and really understanding. And he said, but you end a day by saying you have this drawer that doesn't exist. And he was like, I think you should say you don't because we have systems that you're putting into people's homes. And I thought, oh yeah. Um, and I, again, I just, I do believe in that tidy space, tidy mind for whatever tidy looks like for you. So my home isn't going to look like someone else's and it shouldn't. That's how I like things to be organized and how it makes me feel good. I can go into somebody else's house and think, oh, I wouldn't necessarily have left them there or put them there. But if they're happy with how that system works in their house and it makes them and their family feel good, then I'm all there for it. It's amazing. So no Monica cupboard. No. (laughs) (laughs) So for people listening today who are thinking about an edit, a declutter, just give us three things to get us on the right road to a good declutter, to start the process for people listening now. Mm -hmm. Um, Time, as I say, make sure that you've planned this in. So have you got childcare or have you got the day free, depending on maybe the size of the space? Um, have you got other commitments? So if you have a Saturday free and you think, right, I'm going to do my wardrobe today, but it's your friend's birthday in the evening, you might be a bit pooped and you might not actually want to go. So even thinking about that, what time have you got or can you allocate to doing this? And then when it comes to that second phase of our four point process, the edit, the hope is that there will be things that will be leaving your space for whichever reason that you feel ready for them to do so, where are they going? So do you need to do a dump run? Is there a charity that you'd like to donate your things to? Are you giving them to friends and family? If you know someone who's moving soon and or about to start university, they might pots and pans might be handy. Plan ahead for where those things are going to go because otherwise you're going to have piles of bags or boxes 
creating a new space that doesn't feel good and we don't want it sitting there. So plan it in where it's going to go. And then finally, just think about why you're doing it. So we'll always have conversations with people first. Is it that you want to have a big edit and it's just time for your house to have that thin out and really clear the things that aren't serving you anymore? Or is it that you're downsizing? So some things have got to go. Is it simply that you think, do you know what? I just feel like I've put it off for ages and I'm ready to clear my space. But just know why you're doing it because it makes the end goal so much easier. Halfway through, you might feel all sorts of feelings, but if you know why you're doing it and you can keep that in mind, it makes getting to the end so much easier. Amazing. Right, we've got some resident questions now for you, Katie. Uh, Right. I'm desperate to declutter and organize my space, but feel overwhelmed at the thought of it. Where should I start? Again, I think those three things. Get the time sorted, allocate that time to doing so, um, plan for the things that will be leaving and where they're going to go. And just think about, even if someone's saying, you know, I need to have a declutter, I need to have an organized, why? What's the motive for this? So it becomes your end goal. Okay, this is a good one. Are there instances where it is sensible to keep hold of infrequently used items and what do I do with them? Because you never know when you need that battery pack for your phone or that tape measure or 1500 old phone chargers. You don't know, (laughs) do you? So I'll take that in two parts and I'll start with the phone chargers. There has never been a time that I have had anyone we've organized for contacting us to say, I really needed that cardboard box full of all the wires that we didn't know what they were. Again, part of the process might be, oh, it has a brand on it. I know what that goes with. But if it is a miscellaneous wire, keep one of each. You won't need any more. But then for things like seasonal things or um, if you have bunting, because you always put it up for birthdays and things, but you're not going to use it that frequently, Again, think about the system you're going to put in place, be that a storage item or a particular cupboard or wardrobe in your home and make sure that it goes into that space and it's labeled. So you know where it is or everybody knows when it's birthdays, where it's kept. Having those things in place means that you can keep the infrequently used items because we don't want to keep rebuying them. But there are other things that I promise you don't need. (laughs) <laughs> it's like you've been in my house. I've got a box of wires. And I think they're from like old Nokia phones, but you never know. Someone might come around with an old Nokia phone, need a game of Snake quick, and it's like, I've got no charge. You don't know to. No, that's really good advice. That is good. I like that. Um, right, next question. Which items do people tend to cling on to? Anything in particular that a client always wants to hold on to? Um, I think, and I've definitely done it myself, so no shame on this one, things to do with our children that evoke a memory in for us because Mm. they can't remember wearing something, Um, holding on to children's clothes and things. That would probably be quite a big one. And I would say that people like to hold on to maybes. So having multiples of things, thinking of something really obvious, like um, a little black dress. Most people will have some kind of black dress, whether it's for the unfortunate event of a funeral or something very smart or going out, but people will hold on to maybes and multiples of them. So maybe they have 
10 of them. Well, I might need that and maybe that would come in handy. But that's where it's stripping it back and thinking, when was the last time you wore it? Or have you tried it on recently? Yeah. Because actually you might feel different in it. Um, people will hold on to the maybes and that can be all sorts of things. And again, it's just having a think about why is that a maybe? And when was the last time I even used it? Or actually, would I actually put it back on again? Or is it just the memory of when I wore it to that festival or that party? And again, it's just having a think. It's not just the physical act of organizing. It's the mental side of things as well and what that will look like for you. Can you have a clothes memory box? Do you advise that? You can, but not massively. Okay. Because clothes can deteriorate. Again, we have to think about how they're stored because we can have moths and things like that. They just don't keep brilliantly. However, um, it's not to say that that doesn't happen on a regular basis. And again, we don't put the pressure on because if that's what you want to do, we'll advise you that it might not be the best idea. But if you want to, then we'll advise how to store them so that that doesn't happen. Okay. Vacuum bags or appropriate sealed boxes, for instance. And then setting yourself a reminder. So you can set that in your calendar in your phone. If you have a paper one on the wall, you might want to put it on there. But give yourself about four to six months where you set a reminder that you're going to go back to those things. Because when your space has completely changed, maybe those baby clothes that were in a box or the clothes that you're going to fit into or you remember the time it felt great in them. If you're keeping clothes, remind yourself to go back to them. Because when you've lived in a space that's been edited and organized and feels really good, going back to that box will feel completely different every person, every time. And actually you might then take out a few bits. Oh, I don't know why I've got those, but I'm still not ready to let go of those bits. That's fine. That process can be in steps, but set yourself those time realistic goals. And that really helps. Do people keep hold of things because they think it brings them luck? I know that sounds really silly. Do you get that? Like, you know, the old classic, oh, well, these are my lucky pants. I met them when I met my other half, that sort of stuff. Do you find that? And how do you, how do you approach that? Because it's a lot of psychology involved, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Yes, is the answer. Um, be it lucky things or um, they were wearing it at a time or a place that not just evoked a memory, but maybe something was life changing. Yeah. Um, we had a guy who wore, had a T-shirt. It was kind of in, I suppose, loungewear by that point. But we were having that conversation around maybe some of the things you're editing out could become your loungewear. And then this T-shirt can actually now leave. And he said, I was wearing that when my son was born. And that was really important to him. And I suppose that brought in luck and memories and all sorts of things. So again, it's just about thinking, okay, well, that one's really important right now. It might not always be. It might be the point where you think, well, the arm's fallen off. So really it's time to go. I've got the photos. Um, or it might be that again, he'll go back to that in a few months time and things that he's editing from his wardrobe that can become loungewear. He thinks, yeah, I'm ready to let that go because again, I have the memory, I have, I am the luckiest man in the world to have them and I've got the photos and I don't need that anymore. But that is so important, like you say, that we have to be able to read how the client's feeling about that at that time because it's not our place to determine, is it time for it to go? It has to go. 
are you ready for it to go? That's really important. Okay. And I guess a lot of it is perspective as well, isn't it? Like you say, you flipped it around there. Well, you've got your son. You, you know, you are the luckiest mm-hmm. guy. That's mm-hmm. interesting, actually. That's really good. And uh, the final question, this is good. Is there a way to avoid the messy draw? <laughs> How do you um, avoid that? Again, systems, having systems in place. So notorious messy drawers are that one that's in your hallway or your kitchen, somewhere downstairs that's become the Monica drawer or the everything cupboard. But taking it out, using that four point process, categorize everything, all the batteries, um, all of the name labels that only get put on clothes once a year, the loose change, the wires and the cables, categorize it all, have a good edit of those things, sort them back into the space that works for you and create that organization. When you've got those four points in place, it's far easier to maintain it because you've created the system through organizing it that will work for you. Of course, you do then need to be strict with yourself. If things have stayed out, again, are you planning in the time, right, today I'm gonna have a bit of a sort because I know where the batteries go. I know where we keep our spare keys. I'm gonna put them all away. But that will look different for everybody. But that's why the systems have to work for you. And should you set a reminder like every six months, every 12 months you should do it or just whenever you think, oh, it's getting messy, it's getting full? We would advise doing it kind of every four to six months. Um, But again, it might be that you think, I don't have the time because I'm going to be away at that point. I'm going to do it in two months time. Or it might be that the thought of setting a timer and having that impending alarm going off in six months time just doesn't work for you and that's absolutely fine as well but it's just about being mindful of keeping in mind rather how you feel in that space and if that feeling starts to change maybe that's your marker rather than a calendar reminder it's just it's not feeling great anymore maybe i need to have a bit of a refresh Brilliant. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being on the Simple Life Chat today. It's been fascinating. Really hope it's inspired a lot of people to, uh, you know, tackle their uh, house if it needs organizing. Even a small edit, I guess, it can make big impacts and big differences on your mental health and just your day-to-day well-being. So thank you so much. And if people want to find out more about your company, Dot, what's your website and socials? So the website is www.dotsorts.com. <laughs> Lots of dots. Yeah. And our Instagram is at decant.organize.time. Um, and you can often find us through the Simple Life as well. Fantastic. Katie, thank you so much today. It's been, yeah, inspirational, fascinating. Thank you so much. Thank you. And there we have it. As always, you can get more information on today's episode at the official website, simplelifehomes.co.uk. Join us next time where we'll be tackling homelessness and reintegration with our incredible partners at Embassy Village. Learn about their brand new community in Manchester, providing housing and much more to the city's most vulnerable.